For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. We'll be joined by former Raider great Stanford route. Stan, we are back. It's Christmas time for so many fans with the annual NFL draft starting on Thursday, of course, the Raiders don't have picks in the first or second round after sending them to Green Bay and the Devontae Adams deal. Stan, you see all these mock drafts with this player going here and this team trading up and grabbing this guy. At the end of the day, man, the draft is a crap shoot. Yes, As it Raider is. fans can attest, so many first-round picks never live up to the hype or the billing. And players selected later rounds become starters, pro bowlers, and even Hall of Famers. And Stan, I think the thing that jumps out to me with this draft, eight teams don't even have first-round picks. I mean, this draft, our team's approach to the draft has changed so much when you compared to when you first came into the league in 2005. Yeah, I think that uh, obviously teams are, uh, if they see a player that they really want, knowing that a proven player obviously is better than some draft pick that's going to be a crapshoot anyways at best, and maybe he will or won't pan out. Let's go ahead and go for the proven guy because you're starting to see that a lot of teams feel that they may be one or two players away. And if you feel that you're that you're right on the cusp, and if you're only maybe one or two, maybe three players away, then absolutely go after that proven player who you know you can plug in to your offense or your defense or special teams and can get the job done versus some guy coming out of college that we still don't know if he's going to pan out because not everybody's game translates from college to the NFL, but somebody who's a proven player in the NFL, you know their game is going to translate. Dan, you look at teams like the Rams and the Seahawks. They have basically traded away a lot of their first-round picks for proven players, and they've done well later on in the draft. But at some point, you got to pay the piper, and at some point it comes back to haunt. Like right now, Seattle's in a rebuild mode. Now, I know the Rams went all in and won the Super Bowl last year, but at some point, this does catch up to you, right? No doubt about it. Uh, you got to have those high commodity draft picks. You got because that's how you build your team with the first, the second, the third, the fourth rounders. That's how you build the nucleus of your team. And then eventually they come become top players. They get the large, exorbitant free agent contract, or should I say the contract extension, because they'll be staying on your team. But that's how you build your team. That's how you see the guy like the Van Jeffersons uh, drafted by the Los Angeles Rams turning into a pretty good receiver. That's how you see that. And whenever you go and you're just always trading for people in the interim, short term, yes, it has success. Obviously, we see with the Rams what they've done. But if you try to get that long term, that New England Patriots dynasty for like 20 years where they're always in the playoffs, they're always in the thick of things. You're not going to be able to do that by always trading away high draft picks. No, you're not going to be able to do that. So eventually, this will come to a big screeching halt for the Los Angeles Rams. Not tomorrow, probably not next year, but eventually it will. And as you can see, 
the losing guys like a Darius Williams to the Jacksonville Jaguars is what for three years, I believe 30 million, something like that. If they weren't paying <laughs> the high draft, the high draft capital of paying an Aaron Donald and then a Jalen Ramsey, and then obviously this past all season, a Matthew Stafford, and then going paying big money for an Allen Robinson, but still were able to go and have those picks. You would be able to keep those types of guys because at the end of the day, winning a Super Bowl. Yes, obviously, you got to have your star players, your marquee guys, but you don't want a Super Bowl with just the marquee guys. You got to have those guys, those glue guys who will go out there and they'll make plays. They may not have the marquee name. They may not be the household name, but they're a very viable player. Somebody that's going to go out there and be successful. They just may not have the household name. That's how you how you want a Super Bowl. Look at the Los Angeles Rams when you really look deep inside past Aaron Donald's success, past a Cooper Cup success, things like that. And that right there is where you're going to be able to you're going to lose those types of players by the way that the Rams have gone about business over the last couple of years, like a Darius Williams. And he's just one that comes to mind. Stan, let me ask you this. I want you to play the role of GM for me. If you're a GM and you're trying to turn around, say, the Detroit Lions or the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you take the player like an Aiden Hutchinson, who you know is a safe pick? You know what he's likely to give you over the next, I don't know, seven, eight years, let's say. Or the guy like Walker out of Georgia, who had one great year and he blows everybody away at the combine and his, you know, his high jump and all that. Which way would you go as a GM? The Detroit Lions and the Jaguars? Are you just any franchise that's been downtrodden and you're trying to turn things around? Do you go with the safe pick or do you kind of maybe reach knowing this guy has so much potential, but I don't know if he's ever going to get there? Or this is the safe pick and I know what I'm going to get for the next five, six, seven years. Oh, uh, I'll take it a step further. In that situation, in this year's draft, I would probably go ahead and because there's not a Chase Young, because there's not that type of a defensive end in this draft or an edge rusher like a Chase Young, somebody that I know he's going to be a, a pro bowler as a rookie, I would probably just go ahead and try to do my best to somehow, some way, uh, parlay that into a package of picks. Maybe somebody all of a sudden has realized that, okay, you know what? I like Aiden Hutchinson or I like my man out of Georgia. And then maybe they want to jump up there and I can trade with them. And then I can go and get about two or three other draft picks, maybe two first rounders out of the deal. And then I can now start to get a plethora of high picks and I can use that to build my franchise back up. That's what I would do in that situation. And just because you do not see that one stud or you don't really see a top heavy draft. You see quarterbacks that are probably more so third round type of value type of uh, evaluations in in normal drafts. But this year they'll be going in the first round in that situation to your question. I will definitely go ahead and I, I will try to find a way to parlay that into a into a uh, plethora of picks to go ahead and try to rejuvenate my franchise in a multitude of areas rather than just go ahead and like you just said, draft the one guy that has a lot of potential, but he only had one good year or the guy that I feel is a safe pick and things like that. I would go ahead and I would take option three and I would try to acquire several picks. That way I can go ahead and try to rebuild my franchise. All right, let me get your thoughts on this because I've always said, if you're a downtrodden franchise and you want to rebuild, no matter if it's football or basketball, you've got to do it through the draft stand. Because here's why. When you draft guys who all of a sudden can come in and they can play and they can make an impact. And then you know what? Maybe you start to win some games. And then you start to win some more games. That means you attract the attention 
of all the other teams around the league and saying, you know what? These guys are up and coming. I think I might be interested in maybe going there as a free agent because then I could take it, go to the next level with this team. Or we can get them over the hump. I look at the Golden State Warriors, who were bad for so long, Stan. And you know what they did in the NBA draft? They drafted Steph Curry. They drafted Draymond Green. And they drafted Klay Thompson. Yep. And all of a sudden, they started winning. And then you know what? They added Andre Iguodala. And they got a championship. I know they lost the next year, going for two in a row. But then you know what? Then they got KD, Kevin Durant. And they won two in a row. And they went to three in a row overall. So I'm of the mind, if you're going to rebuild... You always got to do it through the draft. Oh, yeah, you have to. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that's the, that's the best way. That's the cheapest way. And then it's just getting that homegrown talent that you can go ahead and cultivate into being the types of players that Steph with a uh, Clay Thompson and a, uh, a Draymond Green have become. And that's really how that, – that's the best way to do it. That's the cheapest way to do it. That's, that's the most sustainable way to do it. The Los Angeles Rams – Obviously, kudos to them, tip your hat, because they won a title. So clearly it shows that there's more than one way to skin a cat. But if you're trying to get that New England Patriots type of longevity, that type of dynasty right there, you have to do it through the draft. There's no other way. All right, let me get a promo read in here. And our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find out all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series this year? Long ways to go till October. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Stan, who are your favorites uh, in the NBA? Who's coming out of the East and who's coming out of the West? Oh, man, I think right now uh, I probably have to go with the Boston Celtics coming out of the East. Just seems like they got everything going right now. Obviously, you got Jalen Brown. You got uh, um, Jason Tatum uh, leading the show, but just the way that they're playing defense and the way they were able to slow down the ball, the Brooklyn Nets, to me, that was very impressive. Obviously, Milwaukee, they're going to be a tough out. Miami, they're going to be a tough out. Philadelphia as well. But something about the way Boston is playing as a team, to me, is really striking right now. So for me, that would be my pick coming out of the East, coming out of the West. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be able to be much of a threat without a Devin Booker, even if they get past the New, uh, the, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. I think for the Golden State Warriors, they're, they're really humming right now, playing against the Denver, uh, the Denver Nuggets. And then when you go to the other series, obviously, you know, like I said, this Minnesota-Memphis series, okay, I kind of like it. You're seeing some, some promise, but I don't know if they're able to go ahead and match the Titans of you know the western conference and i think that right now i would probably go with the golden state warriors and the boston celtics just because i think that um uh and like it's tough out there and you got to have your star players you got to have a team you got to have good coaching to be able to make those adjustments in the middle of the game late in the game things like that right now it will be the boston celtics and the golden state warriors yeah before the playoffs started i was going with the celtics out of the east i think they're a prime example when you watch that series against the Nets. This was a team, the Boston Celtics, yes. against a bunch of individuals, mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nets, and the team won in a sweep 4-0. So I'm sticking with Boston. They play the best team defense in the Eastern Conference. I'm sticking with them. 
I thought the Suns were the favorite in the West before Devin Booker got hurt. I did. And I'm a Warriors fan, but it's so, uh, you know, his status is up in the air with a hamstring. Yeah. I've never dealt with one. Stan, I don't know if you have, but. Oh, I can tell you all about a hamstring. It is something that it lingers and it nags you. So I remember as soon as it happened, I remember thinking to myself, that dude's not suiting up for game three. And he probably won't suit up for game four. And I say that just because a hamstring is just such a nagging, like mosquito, like, you know, right there around your face. All, sure. You guys out there on the West Coast, y'all don't have, uh, y'all don't have much humidity, so y'all don't deal with <laughs> mosquitoes much. But down here in the South, because it's something that nags at you, it's never fully healed. And I say that because if you hear, oh, you know, he's going to miss about two weeks. Oh, okay, that's not that long. But in the NBA playoffs, because you're playing every two to three nights, Two weeks, that's a whole damn series. Yep. So that's why I don't think that you're going to see Devin Booker. You might see him come back somewhere throughout these playoffs if they get past the Pelicans. Right. But as far as seeing the Devin Booker that we all are accustomed to, you're not going to see that guy because what it does is it hampers you so much. So if I'm playing the, the Phoenix Suns and, I, and I'm being guarded by Devin Booker, I'm taking him to the rack every single time. I'm going to make him get on his horse on that hamstring and it's just the suddenness where all of a sudden you're guarding somebody and now you got to make a quick movement where you got to go ahead and rotate your feet, rotate your hips, something like that, break into the hole. That right there can re-trigger it. And because it's a strain, the best way to go ahead and heal from a strain is for about three weeks to a month, you got to literally just sit down and not get on it. And how the hell are you going to be able for three weeks to a month sit down, not do anything, and just let it heal. And then even then, you still got to be very careful when you're coming back from it. And the Phoenix Suns are not going to be able to just pause the NBA playoffs for a month. Also, their star player can come back. That's why I don't see them getting out of this series with the New New Orleans Pelicans. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But I do not see them actually really making any sort of a run because you're going to need too much of a Devin Booker being at his peak shape at his top game. And he's not going to be able to do that on that hamstring. He's just yeah. not. Yeah. Brandon Ingram, I think has been the best player in that series so far, but I'm going to go with the Warriors right now. I know people call me a homer because I'm a Warriors fan, but I just think they're playing really well in that three guard lineup of Curry Thompson and Jordan Poole, who's an emerging Absolutely. star. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I like, yeah. I like the Warriors. So, all right, man, let's get back to some football and let's talk about our Raiders. They have just five picks. In this upcoming draft, and Stan, it's round three, the 86th pick, round four, the 126th pick, and round five, it's the 164th pick from New England. Uh, they also have a, their own 165, and then the number seven pick, or seventh round pick, I should say, number 227 from Carolina. I mean, Stan, by all accounts, the Raiders have had a tremendous offseason. I think we can agree with that, but they still haven't addressed that offensive line, and I still think they need some help on the back end of that defense. Yes. So, Stan, let me ask you this. With those picks, without a first or a second rounder, do you address those two positions, or are you just drafting best player on the board at that time when you're selecting? I wouldn't go. I I would not employ the uh, best player available at that moment just because what is the best player available at that moment in the third round is a quarterback. Well, sure. you just paid your quarterback, so you don't do that. Right. So that's why I would not employ that type of mindset. I would just go ahead and simply fill the areas that I need. And offensive line, we can clearly see that. I think you can still add some more beef to the D-line 
You can still add more interior pass rush, not on the edge because you got Chandler Jones, you got my man Max Crosby, you just got to give him that new big contract to. But the interior pass rush, we can see what an Aaron Donald, what an interior sure. pass rush can do for a defense. I think you still got to go ahead and uh and rejuvenate, get some more youth in there, some more speed in there at the linebacker position, and then obviously obviously the cornerback position. Yeah, you went ahead and traded for uh Yasin uh, uh about a month ago, but you still need to find your young cornerstone. So there are still several areas that the Las Vegas Raiders can go ahead and address within this draft. Even if they wind up not hitting on it, you still have to attempt to try to fill those holes. So you definitely do not just go ahead and sit on your hands because you acquired a Devontae Adams because you went ahead and signed a Chandler Jones. You definitely do not go ahead and just rest on your laurels. You still try to build this team and plug those holes where you've seen fit. I'm sorry, where, you, where you've seen this team has been lacking over the last couple of years. So definitely still a lot of work to do. Stan, from everything I've read, this is a rich draft when it comes to offensive linemen and wide receivers. We know the Raiders don't need a wide receiver, but some of the names I've been reading, uh, Darian Kennard, he was a three-year starter at Kentucky where he was a consensus All-American last season. You know, I don't know if he's going to be there when the Raiders pick, but perhaps they may try and move up and get him. Luke uh, Gadecki out of Central Michigan, or perhaps Daniel uh, Falele from Minnesota. Have you seen Falele? He is a monster, Stan. He's 6'8". 390. I mean, I know Raider fans don't like this, but he, that's very that's very Trent Brown-like, Stan. Yes, very, very much so. That's why, like I say, I am leaving all options, all ducks on the table in this draft. If I have a hole on this team, I am going to try to plug it no matter what. And speaking as far as what you're saying about the receiver position, obviously you got your number one guy, Devontae Adams, and then you got a Hunter Renfro. So let me ask you this. Let's say somehow, some way, late training camp, late preseason, week one, Devontae Adams gets an ankle sprain, something like that. So that's why I still, if I'm at, if I'm sitting right there at the selection table and all of a sudden there is a receiver that is available in the fifth round, something like that, and we had him rated pretty high, we had a second round grade on him, but somehow, some way he fell, then yeah, by all means, because you still are going to need to have youth in place if, let's say, Devontae Adams decides in a couple of years, he wants out of the Raiders. He wants to go somewhere else. You need to still be able to have guys that you can plug in and replace them. Let's say you lose Hunter Renfro in free agency. I hope you don't, but let's say right. you, you, you do. Or Darren Waller or even Darren Waller, maybe. Exactly. So that's why by no means would I approach this situation other than the quarterback position where, okay, you know what? All of our needs are filled. We have no other need at that position. So let's just completely take that position off the board. I would not do that. I would just go ahead and still try to fill every need that I have. And I would start with offensive, offensive line. I would start with defensive line, the cornerback position, and still linebacker. I think you need to get some youth there. I think you still need to get some more speed. That way you can cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. And that way you can go ahead and maybe even have some guys that you can use to rush the passer on all-out blitzes to help your week, uh, your week back in that has not been the best at stopping the pass in certain situations when they need to get off the field, a.k.a. Joe Burrow, wild card round of the playoffs, a.k.a. Week 17, I'm sorry, Week 18, Justin Herbert on Sunday Night Football, the Los Angeles Chargers, two fourth down conversions right. leading to that touchdown drive. So I'm definitely still attacking a lot of the holes on the defense side of the ball. So we do not have to always depend on Derek Carr to come back and win the game in the fourth quarter. No, I get it. I don't know if you... Getting back to Falele for a minute, he didn't start playing football until 2017. He grew up in Australia playing rugby, so we know he's a tough guy 
if he grew up playing rugby, man. Yes. So he was a three-year starter for the Golden Gophers. And Stan, I don't know if you saw this. I saw this on YouTube. He lined up as fullback, and he scored a touchdown. Now, Stan, you play defense. Can you imagine trying to tackle someone 6 no. 8 3 90? I'm not even trying to. <laughs> I'm going to hit him so low, he's going to think he tripped on something. Like, no. Like, come on now. Like, no. <laughs> hey, you never know. He could be another offensive weapon for Josh McDaniels on offense. No doubt you know, like, about it. You know, he used to use Mike Vrabel on offense with the no, New England and, Patriots. You and, know? That's why, and that's why I say for, for obviously, like you just said, Josh McDaniels coming from that New England type of brain trust. Yes, they definitely can find a place for him on that offensive side of the ball and a place for him to be a weapon once you get near the goal line, whether it's like you just said, simply being that blocking back for Josh Jacobs or somebody that obviously the defense is going to think is just in there to block and they can leak out of the backfield and they can get in and go and score a touchdown wide open in the corner of the end zone. Crazy stuff. All right, Stan, final topic. And we talked about a month ago, you were adamant the Raiders shouldn't sign Derek Carr to a long-term contract extension. Well, the Raiders and Carr reached an agreement. Carr is set to earn an average right around $40.5 million yeah. per year under his new extension, which ranks fifth among all quarterbacks in average <laughs> annual salaries behind the likes of Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, guys like that. Stan, the deal still gives the Raiders a lot of salary cap flexibility, and it also includes a no-trade clause. I know, like I just said, you were adamant about no extension, but are you okay with this type of extension? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem with the salary of like where it puts him in the pantheon of quarterbacks in the uh, in the top tier. I don't have any problem with the money or anything like that. I was simply saying that because going into the contract season for a Derek Carr, who now has his college teammate, Devontae Adams, you have a Hunter Renfro, you have a Darren Waller, you have a Josh Jacobs, you're going to be in some games where you're scoring a lot of points. So you're going to need to be able to go ahead and make sure that you can measure up on the defense side of the ball. I signed Ch uh, Chandler Jones. I, uh, I signed Max Crosby to an extension. So I now have guys who can get after the passer, who can put him on his back to go ahead and help me in these said shootout games when we have a lead and we're trying to get off the field in the fourth quarter. So what I'm saying by that is Derek Carr has all of the pieces presumably in place for him to go and have a stellar season. I was just simply of the mindset of, okay, now, if you cannot bring home another playoff berth and maybe even a playoff victory this coming season, you have no excuse as to why you weren't able to do it. So that's why I was of the mindset of simply not signing him until after the season. And hey, he turns in another playoff berth season and getting a, a victory in the wild card round and we lose in the divisional round. Hey, by all means, Derek Carr, I'm giving you that contract and I might even add more on to it until you sign it. So that's why I was of that mindset, simply because, I mean, you see plenty of other players in this league that go into their contract year and have to play through it and earn it. So why the hell couldn't Derek Carr? So it was more of that mindset, not because I don't think he deserves the money. The three years, what is it, 120-something million? Yeah. It averages around 40.5 a year, something like that. I have no problem with that salary for him whatsoever. Not at all, not even in the slightest bit. So he definitely deserves that. I was just simply saying I would wait about nine to 10 months to see how this all played out before I then gave him the same exact contract that he wound up signing uh, just recently. You know, Stan, one thing I think is interesting about this deal, and you kind of already talked about it earlier in the, in the podcast, is 
And we know Derek has always said he wants to be a Raider for life. He wants to retire a Raider. He doesn't want to play for any other franchise. The deal is, and I said this as well, it helps the Raiders with salary cap flexibility. And this is where I think we go back to the Patriots way. Tom Brady always did that with the Patriots. And you talked about how they were able to stay in a run for 20 years or however many years it was because Brady always gave them a hometown discount or he would restructure his deal to help get other guys for the Patriots to sign. And I feel like Derek Carr has done that. And Dave Ziegler, the Raiders GM, and Josh McDaniels, the new head coach for the Raiders from New England, I feel like they're taking that Patriot approach and they're come out to the desert of Las Vegas. And it's the same way they're working with the Raiders now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, obviously with them coming over from New England, they're going to bring a lot of that mindset, a lot of that ideology to the desert. And as you can see, that's what they've been able to do thus far, trading for the Devontae Adams, getting him as college teammate, which I think is going to pay big dividends. So yeah, the rest is, uh, remains to be seen, but so far so good. I like what I'm seeing out of the black and silver front office and with the players. What grade would you give them for the off season heading into the draft? Oh, going into the draft, yeah. I would probably go with, I'd probably go with a solid A minus. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'd go with A, definitely wouldn't go with A plus because I think that there's still other players that they could have signed. I think there's other guys that could they could have tried to acquire, but that they did not. So I would definitely go with the A minus because Devontae Adams, he's the jewel of your free agent class, obviously, no doubt about it. They re-signed Derek Carr. I said I would have preferred to wait till next year to do it, but I'm not going to sit over there and poo-poo about it because, like I said, I still like Derek Carr's quarterback, no doubt about it. He deserves his money, and rightfully so. I would go with an A minus for the, uh, for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders this past offseason because, I, to me, as much as Devontae Adams is that splash signing, to me, I think Chandler Jones, that's the one that's going to be under the radar, or should I say that went under the radar, because you match him with a Max Crosby, and you see a Chandler Jones turn in a, let's say, 12-sack season, along with the Max Crosby, and he gets another double-digit sack season like he did his rookie year. I think that's going to drastically change the complexity, or should I say the complexion, of the defense more so than you might see Devontae Adams change the complexion of the offense. Not to say Devontae Adams won't, but I think that you'll see Chandler Jones probably have a bigger impact on where the Raiders fall from in the defensive standings from last season to this year because the Raiders had a good offense last year. Devontae Adams is going to make it better, but I think you're going to see a more drastic jump with Chandler Jones and what he does on the defense side of the ball than Devontae Adams on the offense side. Yeah, I, I like that grade, Stan. I think I'm with you with the A-. minus. Obviously, we talked about the Adams, Chandler Jones, Rocky Sin coming over from the Colts in the trade for Ngakwe. So I, I like the moves they've made. I'm still, you know, like I said earlier, the, the offensive line still concerns me because if Derek doesn't have the time, then those weapons don't mean a darn thing. So I like the A-, minus, and uh, I think I would definitely agree with you. On there, and one other thing about the defense, and I read this, I thought it was very interesting. As much improved as they were a year ago, Stan, they were still twenty sixth. Yeah, points. So exactly. they still gave up quite a bit. So you're right. We don't, you know, need Derek Carr to be rescuing us <laughs> at the end of every game. Just you know, if the defense can go out and hold teams to 17, 20 points, I think the Raiders are going to win a lot of games. Yeah, same here. I think that uh, the Raiders, uh, sky's the limit for them. They just got to put it all together. As you can see, they're having uh, what either the mini camp right now or the OTAs. OTAs, uh, yeah. So, you know, so I, I love seeing that. And I think that sky's the limit. And, and this season, whether it goes 
great. Whether it goes bad, this is going to fall on Derek Carr. I think he's poised. I think he has his college teammate who's going to be there to share the load with him, somebody that he's got that familiarity with. And then I think Chandler Jones, him matching with a Max Crosby, I think you're going to see them be one of the better pass tandem, pa- um, sorry, pass rush duos within all of the NFL. I agree. All right, we'll be back next week to recap the Raiders' entire draft. But for now, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rep, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.